Welcome to the Fan Bros, the show where the bros are fans. What's up, Internet? You're listening to another episode of Fan Bros Show, the voice of the urban geek for all nerds. The podcast where we discuss geek culture from the perspective of people of color. Mentioned in the New York Times, of course. Let me just say that off the bat. Because, you know, it's your boy, DJ Ben Amin, a.k.a. Wakanda's favorite DJ, the Kevin Bacon of the Internet's anti-trife equation, Wakabi's lost conscience, Bobby Filet, Hollywood Hameen, the Beverly Trillbilly, Dr. Whose Mans Is This, Hash Tetram, future Oscar winner himself here in the Fan Bros <laughs> Show. You know the spaceship is lit tonight. It's going down. As always, I'm joined by Tatiana King Jones, the Grand Duchess of Tech, also known as Gin and Juice Urso, Misty Knight Rider, <laughs> Beretta Scott King, Ivan Yayo, Flex Luthor, and Chance the Parappa. Nice, nice. Gin and Juice Urso, you always, you know, kill. You, you might not have as many these days, but you always <laughs> have the ones, just the ones that do it so well. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. You're welcome. You know, it feels good to be back in the spaceship. It feels like it's been a little while. You know, shout out to everyone who checked out our last episode, the Otto Asando episode. Also, everyone who checked us out on YouTube this week. Make sure you're subscribed to Fan Bro Show mm-hmm. on YouTube because we are dropping a lot of things over there right now. You know, if you were wondering where the podcast is, was this week, it was on YouTube. So you should have already been subscribed so you know about that. Of course, you know, of course. That's all I'm going to say. I mean, you should know better. Um, you should be subscribed on several different platforms as well because we're everywhere. We're on Spotify. We're on Google Play Music. Yep. We're on SoundCloud. Uh-huh. We're on iTunes mm-hmm. or Apple Podcasts. We're everywhere. We're on Stitcher. Uh, there's really no excuse unless, of course, you're only on Tidal. Then, you know, we don't have the juice like that, I guess. <laughs> uh, you know, I might have to hit some people up, talk to, you know, Jigga Man himself, you know, Bay and all those people over there um, and see if we can get on over to the title. You got Sean's number. I mean, you know, you know, but I know some people who know some people, you know, I, I damn sure don't. Yo, the, uh, I, I mean, this is a true story. Yo, One time I was in the studio with Young Guru. I'll never forget this. You know, we we sitting in the back, you know, me and him, it's a, back at Baseline when they had Baseline Studios. And we in the big room where they record at. And it's me and him, you know, just back there burning trees, chopping it up. And he's like, yo, man, uh, Jay coming through. You got to go. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, you got the so, friendship curve. Damn. So, so, so I went and sat in the front room, and you've seen the fa- the front room on Fade to Black. It's the scene where um Myth Bleak actually allegedly got curved, or whatever. But yeah, there's this scene. You know, there's a pool room in the front. So I sat in the front, and Jay comes through, and he like leans in the door, and he's like, "What up?" You know, and he goes to the back of the room, you know, to record. You know, spends an hour or whatever in there, and then comes back out. It's like, "What up?" <laughs> And then, <laughs> and then it's ghost. You have the greatest industry uh, <laughs> stories. I forgot about that. Like we we gotta we're gonna produce that, you guys, fan bros. We're, we're gonna produce uh Ben Hami's true Hollywood stories. So you guys Oh my god. Because he has tons of them. I, 
I've got another one that I'm going to save right now, but there's one that I've ne- I don't think I've ever even told you about this. The time that I kind of curved Jay Z, and that <laughs> yeah, it's oh, it's a regret. Oh, trust me, it's a regret. <laughs> I mean, it's a huge, huge regret. Jesus <laughs> Christo. Well, anyway, we're talking we're talking about about Hollywood, and of course, this weekend is the biggest night of Hollywood, the Oscars. Uh, by the time you hear this, the Oscar winners and the subsequent losers will you already know them. But right now, we're recording this is before the show, so we don't know who's going to win, who's going to lose. But we have our predictions, and we also have our our, our announcements or proclamations about who we think should be winning stuff. Mm-hmm. And, you know, right off the bat, if you haven't, like I said before, if you haven't been subscribed to YouTube, you might have missed our For All Nerds Awards, the second year of it, where we pretty much, you know, laid out who we think were the best movies of the year. You know, we love the Oscars. Shout out to everyone nominated. But we also know that it's slanted not for us, not for all nerds. <laughs> so, you know, go over to YouTube and watch the For All Nerds Awards. But that being said... We all know, I mean, this is a huge year because there's a lot of nominations for movies that I can't believe are nominated. Like, shout outs to, you know, one of my best friends now, Michael Green, mm-hmm. the one of the writers on Logan, which is nominated for Best Original Screenplay. Clap that up real quick because I'm so happy about that. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I mean, that's just amazing because, I, you know, that was one of the movies. Like, I remember being in the theater. I was in there. I got him to leave. I run into Combat Jack, you know, rest in peace. He was sitting there and he was still sitting in shock. Like I was in there for like 10 minutes, you know, before I got up to bounce. And then I walk out of combat still sitting there like and, you know, Logan is one of those yeah. films. But then there's so many great movies this year. You know, Shape of Water. I really hope, right, wins, right. you know, I hope. And, and, and yeah. just for clarification, uh, Logan is nominated for Best Writing in an Adapted Screenplay. Ah, ah. Yeah. Sorry about yeah. that, Michael. I, I, I messed that up on a tweet earlier today, too. It's okay. Best Adapted <laughs> The reason why I'm making that distinction is that there is uh, an original screenplay category as well. Yep, yep. So it's, it's slightly different. Oh, that's interesting. I guess they have to call it adapted because it's adapted from Old Man Logan. That's interesting. Correct. Yeah, that's Correct. oh, that's very interesting. That, yeah. that's, a, that's a real fine so, line. But so you mentioned um, The Shape of Water, which is in the original screenplay category. Also, our biggest ones, Get Out, shouts to Jordan yes. Hill, shouts to Daniel Kaluuya, shouts to everybody uh, in that in that piece. Now, what's interesting is we there was a lot of back and forth with this movie, especially when, like, during, I, I, was it the Globes, when we were trying to figure out why they were placed in comedy mm-hmm. uh, and why, you know, it should, why, like, things like horror or, um, on a different sense, why things like all these, quote, unquote, uh, comic book movies don't get the shine they deserve. Mm. But at the same time, I wouldn't say that most comic book movies besides Logan have deserved to be in like the best pictures mm. of the year category. You know, that's a that's a big one. Not even the Batman movies? Ooh, Dark Knight, yeah. Dark Knight definitely. I think Dark Knight was nominated, right, for Best Picture. I'm pretty sure that was. I yeah. I, I mean, because you know, Heath Ledger won off of that, you know, rest in peace as well. Yeah. But that definitely deserved. But most, you know, comic book movies until Logan. And now I'm going to I'm going to put it out there early. Black Panther, mm, you know, I feel, you know, deserve to be nominated for these Best Picture Awards. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that, because, I mean, what what ends up happening is particularly with a lot of these like um, comic book based movies and things like that. They like to enter it into costume design, makeup and hair effects, but you never see it for writing or direction 
or cinematography and things like that. So I wonder if Black Panther is going to be in those latter categories because, as you said, it, it it's... And really, I personally feel this about a lot of these superhero movies, especially nowadays, they've gone beyond the superhero genre. And I use that in in quotations that you guys can't see. But I use that in quotations because in a way, the industry has kind of used it as a downer to say, oh, you're just a you're just a comic book movie to try to say that it's not as important or impactful as, say, a, a Shape of Water or some other type of movie. But I, I think, first of all, that's the wrong way to think about it, especially when you understand just how impactful something like Black Panther has been in the box office itself. It's already over half a billion dollars in the box Ooh. office. And, and the social impact of it. Obviously you've seen from the critics themselves to regular people, to families and places of worship and schools and organizations, how everyone has come behind this and come around this. And even including ourselves with our own Crown Wakanda initiative, how you see whole educational uh, perspectives being built around the idea of this movie and how people are connecting to their their families, how people are connecting to their heritage and things like that. You'll see people doing uh, DNA tests, you know, uh, AfricanAncestry.com type DNA tests, trying to figure out who they are. So mm. when you have a film that really is a cultural phenomenon, how, to me, how dare you not <laughs> give, it, <laughs> give it the shine it needs? Because, I mean, and I'm, that's obviously not to say that every single movie that's a cultural phenomenon deserves to be in type of screen. Sometimes cultural phenomena are just like comedies. You know, sometimes it's just some funny, silly stuff. But even then, it's just, if it's that, that impactful, why would you not put it in the category of best screenplay or things like that? Like, that's what I don't understand. Like, I, I, why would you not, for instance, why would um, Spider-Man, and maybe it was, but why, like, the, the Spider-Man Hulk, why would that not be in, like, best comedy type of film? Mm. Mm. type of category so mm. i like I, I don't and that's what i mean when i say they try to say like oh yo it's about our books and this is for kids and blah blah, blah. like no it's not it's a, it's a lot more than that mm. well i definitely think you know i was very happy to see logan get the respect it deserves i fully you know stand behind everything you just said about black panther and as far as like the best original screenplay part of it i think it should win in best original screenplay because it's like if when you break down that screenplay it's so well done it's so i can't wait to get my hands on a copy to actually read it to see you know how they you know wrote every little thing but there's a lot of things in that movie like how the line and the thought about who are you keeps being repeated throughout the screenplay you know and to make a screenplay like that that tackles all these issues and is on such a level and then is still an entertaining action film at the same time is incredible work you know so shout out to Kugler and his writing partner and it's just you know so yeah I really feel like those movies should be you know nominated and probably will be it should be really tough for the you know for the Oscars to not look at Black Panther and right. give it a lot of nominations let me mention this. In the lead actor category, we have Tim- Timothée Chalamet for Call Me By Your Name, Daniel mm-hmm. Day-Lewis mm-hmm. for Phantom Bed, Daniel Kalu for Get Out, Gary Oldman for Darkest Hour, and Denzel Washington for Roman J. Israel. Uh, people are saying that Gary Oldman is going to take that just because he put on the fat suit and all the makeup. I I think it's Daniel. You know, personally, that's Daniel. Like, I read someone say, you know, when someone's acting performance becomes the marketing for a movie, and Daniel mm-hmm. in that chair just sitting there, his eyes, all the expressions that when he's in the sunken place that he has to go through is incredible work. 
You know, I mean, mm-hmm. just over the top incredible. And Daniel definitely deserves it. But, you know, he's nominated and we know how this strong goes. So, yeah. So in the lead actress category, you have Sally Hawkins, Frances McDormand, Margot Margo Ro- Robbie, Robbie, uh, Cersei, I'm sorry if I pronounced her name, Ronan, and Meryl Streep. Uh, I like, you know, a lot of people. I haven't seen, the, who's, what's Meryl Streep nominated for? Because I haven't the seen. Post. The oh, Post. And that's not oh, I, I, there's I'd some quite back. a few awesome movies I need to see. Oh, yeah. Still. See, this year I saw a bunch of them, you know, because being in the writer's deal, they send out screeners. So I saw a bunch of joints. Like, I really liked Lady Bird. I really mm-hmm. liked um, Do- I, Tanya. Yep. Yeah, I seen I, Tanya. The Post. Uh, Meryl Streep is cool in The Post. It's, you know, eh. The post right, is right. cool, whatever. But, yeah. see, but but see, I, I mentioned that because you know we, we do. I'm, I'm mentioning these names because we are seeing, uh, due to initiatives like Oscar So White, we are seeing a shift in the people that are being nominated. It hasn't obviously. It's not open to the point where you see that the people who need to be in there need to be in there. Because for instance, D. Reeves isn't any is not there as director, um, no. which is interesting because Mary J. Blige is uh, has been nominated as supporting actress for Mudbound, but Mudbound itself is not in there uh, as, mm-hmm. as you know, you know, the director of the movie themselves is not in there, which I which I find um a little more than odd. But uh, you know, I, I just want to make the, the point that while we are seeing some change, of course you're still seeing and, and this is I just think this is par for the course, you're still seeing some some great missteps as well. Well, it's one thing and interesting, right? Because I think Lady Bird is up for best picture, but the director who's a woman is not up for best director. You know, she is, she is. Lady oh, she Bird is? Okay. Lady Bird's up for director, Greta Gerwig is up for director. Okay, cool. Because I thought- yeah, yeah. Specifically for director is Chris Nolan for Dunkirk, Jordan Peele for Get Out, Greta Gerwig for Lady Bird, Paul Thomas Anderson for Phantom Thread, and Guillermo del Toro for Shape of Water. Oh man, I really I, I want Del Toro to win that, but I know a lot of people really love Lady Bird. I liked it, but it's like, eh, you know, it's not. It ain't that movie. And it's interesting, like like you were talking about, because, you know, people are focused on movies like Lady Bird. And they're like, oh, my God, I've never seen anything like Lady Bird. And to me, Lady Bird is a really good movie about a young woman and her mother. And it's a really dope portrayal of that, like really dope. But Get Out is something I've never seen before. You know, that's something that is just I've never seen these type of films being made. And that's something that I think needs to be commended. But we know how this is going to go. You know, it's like, ah, man, you know. Yeah. I, yeah. You know, let's talk about it tomorrow. We'll see who wins. You know, everybody hit us on Twitter at Fanbro Show. You know, it's going to be, oh, man, I, I hate these nights. We're all so hype. But then we, you know, we had to sit there and watch these, you know, take these L's sometimes, too. But there are a lot of great films being nominated and a lot of great work by a lot of people. The battle for a best actress between um, I, Tanya and Lady Bird is, whoo, that's a that's a tough one for me because them women put in work as well as um, what's that? Francis McDormand in um, Three Billboards. Man, like, mm-hmm. oh my god, yeah, yeah th- that's some work. <laughs> one one race, Woo! one race that I absolutely have a clear winner for. I absolutely want Coco to win animated. Oh, Future. I haven't even Coco seen it. I want was that. just yes. incredible, yes. just from the story adaptation to the 
the animation itself to the voice acting, just everything about it. And then the cultural significance of El Del Dio Los Muertos, like Coco has to win. Yes. I haven't even seen Coco and I can't wait to see it, but Coco is up. It's so good. I know. And Coco's up there for me, like with Black Panther in terms of these films that are so monumental because they show you that these type of films can be made and celebrate cultures of all kinds and moolah and amazing work can be produced. So that's why I love, I haven't seen Coco and I'm so hyped for it you know because I finally got to peep uh, Moana recently and Moana just blew my mind I was like wow you know I couldn't believe how good Moana was so I can't wait to see Coco myself but yeah shout out to everybody involved in that shout out to everyone nominated once again I gotta say you know shouts to Michael Green you know prayers up <laughs> I mean, I don't know if you should pray for an Oscar win, but I am right now. Shouts to Logan. And we're going to take a quick break right there. and We'll be right back with more Fan Bros Show. Yo, this is Atu Asano. And when I am listening to podcasts, I kick it to the Fan Bros. Those are my peoples. You got to get on that Fan Bros. What? And then I get it. Then how about a little? Hope you've been enjoying this episode. Make sure you're subscribed on SoundCloud, iTunes, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, wherever. Go to fanbros.com. Check out all those articles, all the videos, all the reviews, everything great coming soon. We got that new revival of fanbros.com. You know, that's all I can say on that. It's going to be big, big things, bigly, you know, huge, very huge. And also, you know, something else that's awesome and great is my favorite segment of this week. That's right. The guac is extra. The geekwently asked questions where you can send in any and all questions and we will answer them live on the air. Well, not really live because this is pre-recorded, but you know, close enough, folks. So hit us up. Contact at fanbros.com or on Twitter or on Instagram at fanbros show. And what do we have up first tonight? The first question comes from Pedro Valor or Pedro Valor. They write, do you have advice on time management? Do you use any day planners or bullet journals? Any good apps that you think will help? Thanks. Ah, oh, man, that's a great question. And shout out to Lexi Alexander, who I finally actually got to meet in person this week. And, you know, I want to give her a shout because, you know, it was my birthday earlier this week. You know, happy birthday to me. Yay. Happy birthday, Ben Ha, Hollywood Ha Me. Thank you very much. You know, and all the Pisces out there, we celebrating all month right now. So, yeah, I met Lexi and she gave me a Punisher War Zone, her movie, The poster from it so that was really nice of her yeah thank you very much for that but she also a couple weeks ago put me up on this thing the pomodoro technique and the pomodoro technique is this really simple time management technique where basically you sit there you you focus on one goal for 25 minutes and then you take a three minute two to three minute break then you go back to it another 25 minutes you do that four times and then you take a 30 minute break 
And that joint worked so well. And you could just use a timer on your phone. There's mad apps to do it. You know, Google the technique, you know, to explain it a little better, Pomodoro technique. But there's apps for like Chrome, you know, all type, all your browsers, whatever, that'll time you. And so mm-hmm. it's just sitting there and you just focus for that 25 minutes. And when you do one of those two-hour sets on it, like you can get more work done. Like if you just really work on it straight through, then you really will in an eight-hour day of just, you know, BSing around. So... I highly recommend that. Like, it has helped me so much in my writing and in my DJ and, and just everything I do because it just fo- sits there and focuses and forces you to focus on something. And then you see that you, you know, you put in those 25 minutes then you take a quick break. Then, you know, you at the end of the four, you know, you get 30 minute break and you can chill out, relax, you know, get your mind yeah. right. And then boom, back right. to it. So dope. And I peeped how you said that if for what you said, what you said, you deliberately said for whatever your goal is or whatever it is. So yep. it's more than just for writing. Oh, it's yeah. For it's for anything. Like if you're like, OK, I'm going to clean my house. Set that timer. Twenty five minutes. You know, you give yourself twenty five minutes and don't do anything else. No Internet, no Twitter. None of that mess. Just clean your house for twenty five minutes. Then you take three minute break. Boom. You know, it works great for anything you want to do. It's just about focusing your time and ignoring distractions. And it's so great for that. That's. That's my favorite, you know, one recently that I've learned. Right. Yeah. I'm going to try to apply that technique. I mean, I, I definitely need it for, for my writing, but to, for I didn't think about applying it outside of that. That makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Like, even if you have a day job, when you're at work, you know, instead of being on the internet doing this and that, you know, just focus for 25 minutes on one task and then, you know, take that three minute break and hit up Twitter if you need to, whatever you want to do, and then go back to it 25 minutes. You know, it works so well. Right. I would absolutely say put your phone away. Like for me, the phone is both a tool of of my my success and it also is a problem. Mm-hmm. So especially when you need to focus on one specific task, put the phone to the side. And granted, some people are like, well, I, I got kids and I got this and I need to know somebody need to call me and some bus hit them. All right. Well, put the phone, keep the phone in, in the room with you, but put it to the side, meaning not someplace where it's easy. We could just grab and be on YouTube or be on Twitter or be on IG stories. Like you got to keep it to the side because it is a immense distraction. As much as a, as a tool it is, it's also an immense distraction. Um, and just like. Um, I think someone like, I forgot what I was watching, but they was making the links to um, people who gamble a lot, like how the lights and, and the sounds and stuff that triggers certain um, uh, uh, positive responses in their brain. Same kind of thing going on with your phone. When you are on IG and someone likes your pictures and if you have your sound on, you'll get like a little a little uh, tone that, that rings to let you know, oh, someone's liking your picture or someone's interacting with you. And it's the same type of response. Your brain gets these flashes of, of positivity, like, oh, something's good is happening to you. And it's just a distraction. So put it to the side, keep it on silent, put it to the side. You can let all the emergency calls come through, but get that out the way. One app that I would absolutely recommend and get ready. This is a doozy. It's called the calendar app. Now, <laughs> And I'm not being an a-hole when I say that. I'm being so serious. For me, unless it's on the calendar, it does not exist. It could be you saying, oh, I want to talk to you for 10 minutes at one o'clock. It could be you. It could be an event that I have to go to. It could be something I have to read. It could be anything. And, and the same with everyone else. You could literally use the calendar to help map out your day. And you'd be surprised at how much more efficient and productive you are when you have it mapped out versus when you just try to remember things. And especially the more responsibilities you have, the more people you have to talk to, the more varying opinions that happen, stuff gets lost in translation, stuff just gets lost overall. 
So use that app to your advantage. Uh, I would also suggest if you have views like Gmail, get the boomerang add-in um, that, that helps you. You can actually schedule events right in the email. You can get people to agree to times to have meetings. You could uh, save uh, oh, you you can set your emails to send later at later times. So, like if you want to, if you have time to compose a bunch of emails now, but you don't want them to go out for a few hours, you can do that. So, I would absolutely suggest using those tools. Mm-hmm. And those are all great ideas right there. I also, you know, fully endorse putting your phone away, even when you're doing that Pomodoro technique. You know, I set my phone on my timer for 25 minutes, but I put it to the side, and then I hear the alarm when the 25 minutes throws off, and then I can pick my phone back up and start it up again. That way, you know, my phone is completely out of the way. And one last one that has really helped me a lot recently is for those people who like to hear music when they're working or whatever, you know, I'll put on like, especially when I'm writing, I like instrumental music, you know, I'll put on some hip hop instrumentals. And then behind that, I go to YouTube and I'll turn it on low so it doesn't interfere with the music, but I put on like meditation waves and there's Mm -hmm. a lot of different things like that on YouTube and they just help clear your mind or they've helped me clear my mind. So I have that, you know, in the background underneath the jams that I'm playing. So I can't really hear it, but you know, you feel it at the same time. And then when each jam goes off, you hear it for a few seconds, whatever. So that's another one that's really helped me a lot. All these, if you have any others, let us know, you know, hit us up, contact the fan bros, hit us on the Twitter so we can share them with everyone at fan bros show. And up next, we have from Nerd Emperor, with Black Panther being the sensation we all knew it would be and Time's Up making the necessary waves we need. Do you think we will, as POC, and more importantly, the women POC, get continued representation on and off of the screen? Or will the YT folks just brush it off as a wave? Love you guys. <laughs> well, POC as in people of color and YT as in white. Yes, very much. And um, I have to say, I, you know, I, you know, we talked about this before and there's, you know, there's obviously the money has been proven with Black Panther and the impact has been proven. I mean, I don't know if people saw uh, Jimmy Kimmel when he had Chadwick on there and people were giving thanks and he walked out of surprise people. It yeah. was just heartbreaking. Like yeah. I was, you know, straight up crying again watching just that little clip. So, you know, we know the impact. But as far as like Hollywood, I wasn't unsure. But then, you know, this week we see Viola, I mean, Viola Davis being announced, you know, <laughs> with yeah. Viola. That's, always. A, that's an instrument. <laughs> I know. And I, and I used to play it. So that's why I always do that. <laughs> Sorry. You know, and Lupita, you know, they've been announcing The Woman King, which is a movie that just sounds absolutely phenomenal and some ill ass shit that I don't think you would have, I mean, not even think they've said already that the reason why this movie got greenlit now is because of the success of Black Panther. Yeah, yeah. Straight up and down. Yeah. I mean, you know? I, I will say that the success of Black Panther is definitely a harbinger of things to come. Um, mm-hmm. And I know some people are going to get mad about that. Like, well, there's been plenty of success in the past. And that, but listen, we're not talking about the past. We're talking about right now. And you have to understand that we're in a different age where the, the microscope from a public uh inside looking out and inside and outside looking in perspective is at its most highest yes there's been plenty of success and things has happened in the past but it was not in the age of twitter it was not in this information age where things were at the forefront it wasn't in the age where people could be held accountable for their actions or inactions to this level you see what happens when you see things like oscar so white something that's literally transforming entire industry or is starting to transform entire industry so when we're in this age now where you can have something happen and you get direct action from it almost immediately. That's why 
amongst other things, why Black Panther is going to be the catalyst for a lot of change to happen. I know a lot of people have actually reached out to our Twitter page and said, well, now that Black Panther has getting all this, do you think we're going to get a chance to see um, uh, uh, an Asian woman representation or Asian superior? They mentioned Kamala Khan. They mentioned... um, uh, just, just they mentioned a whole bunch of different people, but the point was, you know, are we going to get more representation across the spectrum of people of color? You know, is are we going to get the push that we deserve in all these other, in all these other uh, uh, cultures? And the answer is eventually. The answer is yes. I hope so. Um, Black Panther really is because of the level of money that has been involved because of the level of involvement in terms of Disney and the the heights that it's reached is definitely going to be the base for which more things spring out of it. I mean, everything you said was 100% spot on. And also, I've you know been having a lot of conversations about Black Panther, obviously, since it came out. And one of them comes up is I saw someone, uh, actually, shout out to Q Storm, a friend of the show. He was talking about how he had a conversation with someone, a woman who didn't really appreciate slave narrative films and other films like Fruitvale Station. And I actually agree with her on those. Like, And people have been like, well, we've had, you know, films like, you know, Roots and, you know, or 12 Years a Slave that feature, you know, all these black people and, you know, were written and directed by black people, et cetera. But those just do not compare to me to Black Panther. Like one, Black Panther handles slavery in a way that I only compare things like American Gods or Underground to, where it actually shows you that slavery is a continuation or the documentary the 13th, where it shows you that America has always had a form of slavery. You know, whether or not even just capitalist society itself is a form of slavery and colonization and what it does to Africa. And you don't see these things. And then at the same time, you don't see a hero like Black Panther surrounded by women who are all strong, independent, all have great character arts. It's there's just so many levels to this film that I personally have never seen in any film. And for it to make this type of money now is like. Come on. Yeah. I mean, of course, we're going to see Miss Marvel, Kamala Khan. Of course, you know, Marvel is not stupid. Disney is not dumb. That's what I that was why I kept talking about this movie so much, because once it started making all this movie, I mean, all this money, it's like, of course, like people are like, oh, it'll never like someone else was oh, another friend of mine was arguing with me talking about how Black Panther will never be bigger than Star Wars. And as one of the biggest Star Wars addicts on the planet, I said to him, you're silly. Like, you think Disney isn't going to just ignore this? Now it's one of the top 10 films ever. It's the third highest grossing weekend ever. Like, you think Disney? But I have a problem. Yeah, go ahead. I have a problem with people sitting, well, it'll never be bigger than Uh, this. Like, I have a problem with, I have a problem with Apple, not even Negroes, everybody. I have a problem with apples and oranges comparisons. Mm. Because I feel like, why are we making comparisons to what, again, things that has happened before and things that may or may not even be related, things that are completely incongruent. Why are we not reviewing it and making uh, proclamations based on what it's doing and what it has yet to be seen? Star Wars is a cultural icon. We know this already. Nothing is going to be like Star Wars because Star Wars is Star Wars. Mm. Star Wars is its own entity. Star Wars is in its own lane, its own box. It has obviously spawned a lot of different things from it. It's... My, my point is that not everything has to be compared. And I understand that that's great talking points for a lot of people. It's, it's a nice conversation to have, whether two or for it. But it's annoying because mm. it doesn't make sense to me. It's like, why can't you understand and relate to it in, in its own existence? 
Mm-hmm. No, I mean, I fully agree. It's like when people compare LeBron James to Michael Jordan. Like, I love LeBron James and Michael. You know, I grew up on Michael more, so it's like Michael is going to be that dude to me. But I always tell people there's no way that LeBron James will ever be Michael Jordan because Michael Jordan came about at a time when there was no social media. There was none of this stuff. He was like the beginning of ESPN. All these type of things were surrounding him that made him into the you know, icon and phenomenon that he is. And so you can't have those things. And that's a, just like you said with Star Wars versus Black Panther. But as far as money-wise, as far as like expanding on this universe, you think there's not going to be a world or Wakanda film coming out down the pike where we see Shuri, you know, whoever, you know, in these adventures by themselves? Like, you don't think there's going to be a Shuri and, you know, Rocket Raccoon and Groot movie coming out? You know, it's like Marvel, Disney is not silly. They're going to start having these, you know, younger cartoons for the kids. I'm sure, I mean, I know we're going to see this, like, very soon, like, a women-led cartoon for kids, you know, featuring all these characters that they have. Because why not get that money? And that's how they do it. And then they get them from kids, and then they just keep going. So 20 years from now, Black Panther surely has the potential to be as big as Star Wars. No problem. Um, Genzer128 writes us, if Netflix decided to do a What If series, and the first season was What If Killmonger Succeeded, what what <laughs> i don't know the correlation. i just this is the first time i'm reading this question i, I don't know the correlation okay, what would the people who who defended confederates say basically what ginzer what they're saying is that you know if killmonger had succeeded basically killmonger would have been the reverse of a colon well he would have been an african colonizer where he would have taken wakanda and formed an empire and put everyone else under subjugation so basically they're saying, you know, for those people who defended Confederate, you know, who are like, yo, Confederate's a great idea. We need to see this. What if Netflix decided to show a show where black people took over and put white people into slavery? Okay. I still don't understand the correlation, but okay. You need to, <laughs> you need to answer that one, uh, Ben, I mean. Well, I mean, I guess I get the correlation right there. And I think the people who defended Confederate would be like, <laughs> F this show, basically, just like they would be like F Black Panther. Because anyone who's defending Confederate is probably not really feeling Black Panther like that, unless they're feeling it in that get out sort of way. Like, I saw Black Panther five times over the weekend, you know, that kind of way where it's like, mm, for real, bro, did you really, you know, I would have voted for Obama if he could have ran for a third time. <laughs> that's what you know, I that- said the, the first day I saw, <laughs> or the second time I saw Black Panther, I said that's going to become the new, I would have voted for Obama three times. Oh, yeah, that's definitely like I have a black friend, but I saw a Black Panther, you know, so I know what I'm talking about. Yeah. So the people who defended Confederate, whatever, F that show, F those people in general, you know, I don't know. And really, this goes back to another thing. People, you know, all the Killmonger was right. You know, Killmonger had good ideas, blah, blah, blah. It's like, that's cool and all. I get where y'all are coming from. And when I walked out of the theater, you know, I was hype over Killmonger too, et cetera. But the more I see this film, the more I want to praise everyone behind it because it becomes clear as effing day that Nakia's character is really showing you what it should be about from the gate, from the very start of the film to the end of the film. And I just love that so much because while you have these two brothers having this great argument with both of them having really good points, the woman, the black woman, once again, is like, look, you know, we should be using this tech to save the world. And that's what I'm going to go do. <laughs> I don't know what else to say right there. So I think we're going to take a quick break right here. Make sure you send in your questions. You know, anytime you have any question at all, the contact at fanbros.com, to Twitter at fanbros show. And we'll be right back to wrap up this episode.
This is Cree Summer, and when I'm not voicing your favorite chocolate cartoons or smoking a lot of weed, I'm listening to the Fan Bro Show. Actually, sometimes I do that at the same time. DJ The Avengers. That's what we call ourselves. Earth's Mightiest Heroes. And welcome back, family. Shout out to the internets out there, everybody listening. You know, hope everybody's been enjoying this episode, all the advice and the love we give you every week right here on Fan Bros Show for all nerds. And now it's time for a little bit of advice for one of my favorite themes in the world. That's right. It's time for some comic psycho. And this <laughs> always a little. It always it's so always funny gets you. Because it's so funny because you always do all this extra stuff with your voice, but you then you add sound effects. So it's just like. <laughs> I mean, you know, it needs that. It needs that woof and that boomf and that estraness, you know, because it's comics I copped. Oomph and you know, boomf. Okay. Oomph and boomf, you know, where we talk about comic books, you know, all the comics that we buy. Shout out to everybody out there using that hashtag comics I copped. That warms my heart so much because now I see a lot of people using it who I have no idea who they are, you know, and they don't even at me or anything. They just use the hashtag. It's like when people use the crown Wakanda hashtag. Like we just love to see that, you know, our influence shining out there in the universe. It's wonderful. It's a beautiful thing. <laughs> and this week, you know, there's a couple things uh, that I wanted to mention. Um, I don't know if I really got to talk about this like I really do. Like I feel like I'm going to have to write an essay about this book and put it on fanbros.com because Invincible finally ended. Issue 144, it's the end of the series. It's done. It's finito. I've read it a couple times now. And I have to say, overall, I think Invincible is in my top 10 comics I've ever read. I recommend it to anyone. As far as superhero books, it's probably in my top five, top three. Like, it's right up there with X-Men, you know, Chris Claremont and Grant Morrison's run, and then Invincible. I can't really think of anything else, you know, that's as good as, you know, as Invincible. Like, I highly recommend it to anyone out there. Pick it up. Start at issue one if you haven't, you know, buy the first trade, the first collection. There's a lot of big, like, hardback, cheap-ass collections that give you a lot of issues at once if you want to go that route. But I just recommend it to anyone who's interested in superhero comics at all. It's just a very dope, dope story. You know, it just hits on every level. It's funny. It's romantic. It's everything. It's about life. You know, it's just one of the best things I've ever read. Shout out to Robert Kurtman. One of these days, we're going to get you on this show. Shout out to Corey Walker and Ryan Otley, who are the artists, you know, behind it for the whole run. Ryan Otley just moved over to Amazing Spider-Man. You know, shout out to him. Congratulations on that move because, you know, he came up from basically he's only done Invincible his whole career as an artist. Like, he started on Invincible. He became one of the hottest and dopest artists, you know, growing through the years working on it. Mm -hmm. And now he's, you know, get, about to get them bid bucks over at Marvel. So, I mean, he was already getting bid bucks with Invincible because that's why his ass never left. So, you know, but shout out to them. Like I say, it's just one of my favorite comics ever. If you, you know, are interested in a comic that you can just read, you want it to buy anything else. All you have to do is buy the issues of Invincible. It's like that. Go check it out. And speaking on comics that I love, but you know, it's like it, there's some issues. Like speaking of issues, Black Panther, mm -hmm. you know, and Marvel in general. The latest issue of Black Panther dropped this week, and it's t numbered 160. 
Me personally, I haven't even read Black Panther like that. Like I read it in trades more than I read an issue. So I can't even tell you what issue this is because recently Marvel decided to renumber all their issues and add up like every issue of Black Panther that has ever been written, even though these, you know, various collections and various, like with all their comments, X-Men, whatever, they just don't really go together. You know, right. like the Grant Morrison and Chris Claremont runs of X-Men are wildly different and took place like 20 years apart. And there was a lot of stuff in between that, just doesn't relate so it's tough like for a casual reader i just don't understand why they would do this because like a casual reader you know someone who listens to comments like cop someone who just saw the black panther film wants to go in and pick up a new issue of black panther and they go in and it's issue 160 and they're gonna be like what when in reality it's only like 18 issues of tanahasi's run and that's what you should you know if you want to just start from a new run and get yourself you know into the character you can just start with tanahasi's run but it's wildly confusing, and I just do not understand why Marvel is doing this. What do you suggest that they do? Well, I mean, it's weird because in a few months, they're about to relaunch again and go back to Avengers number one. So uh, I don't know what they're doing. I suggest, like, you know, most people suggest is like they just let it do like the, what they were doing before. Let these runs be individual, like Grant Morrison's new X-Men. You know, start at number one with Grant Morrison's new X-Men. Let him do his whole run and then start off with a new X-Men book once he's done or and do that with every author, you know, and just let him be self-contained stories. But it's weird because they want to keep fans who have been reading for like 30 years who love to have issue 500 or something. And I just don't give a shit. Like, who cares? Like, you know, just tell good stories, sell good books, you know, do with things like image, you know, with Invincible. Let people have their runs in characters, whatever. There's a lot of things, you know, you know what I always say. By independent comics. Yep. I'm sorry. You know, but uh, in some other Black Panther news that also relates to the movie and everybody, the one that now everybody's looking forward to, Infinity War, which, oh my God, I'm so hyped for. I'm so hyped. I can't, like, because as good as Black Panther was, so now it's like I'm so hyped for this. But people are trying to figure out where the last Soul Gem was. And in a recent comic book, it seems to hint that the Soul Gem might be an actual planet. What? Yes. Do, you know, if you've seen the Infinity War trailer, there's like there there's like this big planet that they seem to be fighting on. There's like orange skies and stuff. And people are saying because in this comic book, there's some hints that the new gem or the last gem, the soul gem, might actually be the size of a planet or inside this planet. Like the heart of a so planet. that's why Thanos. Yeah, like the heart of a planet, and then Thanos will shrink it down, you know, to fit on his. So you're saying it's obviously. not in Wakanda? Well, okay, there's two theories going on right now. One is that because we see this bid battle happening in Wakanda, is that, you know, the gym is in Wakanda. And then the other theory is that this gym is in this planet. So those are the two mm. theories. One of the, you know, we all know that one of the gyms is on Vision's head right now. So that's one that he has to get. But then there's this one that no hasn't been revealed in any of the movies so far. And so that one we feel, or people are, the two theories are that one, it's either in Wakanda or it's this planet. I'm hoping it's this planet because I really <laughs> do not want to see Wakanda. I knew it. I, I, yeah, you know, I, 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 look, we just had one movie. I don't want to see Wakanda get destroyed already, you know? And I know there's going to be a big battle there. I know it's going to take some hits, but I don't want to see, you know, the golden country take that L just yet. Well, yeah, no. but remember, there's the time gem. There's all sorts of stuff that could put it back the way it needs to be. Sure. And they also true, have, true. not to say the vibranium just works by magic, because sure he says it's technology, it's science, not magic. But I mean, there's, there's ways mm -hmm. to, to fix things. 
I know, but it's like we had to wait a year before Infinity War for or whatever the next Avengers movie is to be titled. So it's like I, I have a big feeling that the one that's coming out in two months is going to end on some ill, like down note. Like I think Marvel might take their biggest risk right here and do some real destruction to this universe, and then have everybody sitting around for a year, like oh what the you know, and then in four you know it comes back to life, whatever. But. I, I don't want a year of, you know, Wakanda, you know, like all right, people kind of, you know, in memoriam Wakanda oh, post. No. Like, I don't, you know, you know, like I'm not ready for these hashtags. You know, I'm not ready. <laughs> uh, something else that I'm really not ready about. Uh, the Flashpoint film has secured some directors. They're actually the directors behind, what is it, Game Night or some random ass movie? Um, yeah, shout out to y'all. You know, I, you know, I, ooh, I mean, you know, Black Panther made as much as Justice League in like three days. It's like tight on the DCU right now. Like, mm. yeah, guess you're not that interested in that. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know. so what's really interesting that caught my eye is that Roxanne Gay on Twitter offered to write for Batgirl. So as we know, recently Joss Whedon dropped out of the of writing for it. And Roxanne was like, well, let me pick up this lack and do that. And I think that would be a phenomenal idea. We we only got to see just a taste of what she can do in the comic space when it came to her World of Wakanda series that unfortunately was canceled prematurely. So we didn't even get to see that really evolve to where it needed to be. But I love Roxanne's work. And to be able to give her a chance to do this film and, and finally get a person of color in that space, in that large space, it may, could pan out to be WBDC's first actual good, um, you know, DC universe film uh, would be wow. nice. Um, and, I, and I say first good, I would say, let me say this, <laughs> first great. I mean, there's some, there, there, like on a scale of one to 10, like not and not counting Batman, just counting the 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 gamut that of films that we see, like they're like okay. Yeah, I mean, you know, for, for different reasons, I like Man of Steel and Batman versus. I Superman. like Man of Steel too, but it was okay. Yeah. I mean, overall, it was okay, and you know, bring it on, DC lovers. I don't care, you know, at me, DJ Ben. I mean, it was okay at best, and uh, they yeah, got but- Aquaman coming out. Yeah, yeah, but, but I gotta say the reason why we we mentioned that because this this Roxanne Gay thing is actually promising because after she tweeted that out, Michelle Wells, who is the VP at Marvel, excuse me, at DCWB, said, "Well, if you're serious, contact me." So mm. we may have seen some actual traction from this. And if not that, you know, there will be traction in some way, shape, or form with Roxanne Gay in DC, which needs to happen. I mean. Obviously. Can you imagine if like her and Gail Simone did something together? Son. Ooh. Fire. Yeah, fire, 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 fire. I mean, they need something. They they need something. People are talking about, you know, cyborg, and that's not gonna do it. You know, if people don't know about a character, they have Icon. Uh Evan Narcisse wrote a great article this week talking about icon and why dc needs to make an icon movie i see you out there evan i feel like you out there you know i see i see that move i see that you know you know dc needs to make a icon movie and i'm a writer myself very well played sir very well played but yeah icon is a character that could you know bring dc up to that black panther level so you know we'll yeah. see but right now it's 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 real tight on them it's super super tight and also big shouts to friend of the show april rain she has released 
uh, an amazing, an amazing site and an amazing project called Aquarelle. This site aims to be a gift to both creators and consumers of art and media. Um, it's basically a centralized directory. The directory is, aims to help those who work on both sides of the camera or the curtain, whether they're writers, directors, actors, the whole gamut. And what it's meant to do is to help connect people across the spectrums of race, orientation, disability, et cetera, actually get directly in touch with the subscribers, which will be studios, networks, theater companies, media outlets. So for instance, if a theater company or excuse me, or a media outlet, they're looking for someone who can play a role in, I don't know, Aladdin, someone who is of Middle Eastern descent, a certain age, <laughs> a, certain, a certain gender. They they don't have to say, oh, it's so hard. They can go to Aquarelle <laughs> and actually put in those, put in those uh, specific uh, filters and then find the per- exact person they need. They can find these, these uh, direct talent that can then turn into an interview or an addition. So, Kudos to her. Uh, April actually already partnered with CBS, Comcast, and a Networks to build support for the site. She's launching this in conjunction with the Academy themselves. So this is going to be a huge, huge opportunity. You can actually sign up now for free. Um, again, both sides of the, of the aisle, whether you would be one of the said subscribers or whether you would be the talent itself, you could be a writer, could be anything. Definitely go to it. It's spelled A-K-U-A. R-E-L. And again, if you go on her Twitter page, you can also get a link for it. And I think it's incredible and just continues to show the monumental force of change that the Oscar So White campaign has been. Word up. And in some other news that I really just don't know how I feel about it all, uh, Scott Gimble, the, he moved from showrunner to now he's just like overseer of the Walking Dead empire, has announced that there is going to be more Walking Dead shows. Like, you know, more Fear the Walking spin-offs. Dead. spinoffs? Yes, more spinoffs. They see that Fear the Walking Dead has succeeded. So they're like, okay, you know, maybe we'll do Walking Dead in China, you know, or pre-Walking Dead, you know, or post-Walking Dead. I don't know. I mean, I, know. I think it's cool to see how the rest of the world is dealing with the zombie apocalypse. I think that's that's definitely worth exploring. But where does it stop? Uh, it, it doesn't stop till the money stops rolling in. And the comic book lately actually just entered a new phase that I'm really kind of excited about that is like at least, you know, two or three more seasons of walking dead the regular tv show away so they could go on for a long time so my question is if they are going to which is actually very smart if they're gonna go to see like how the other countries are dealing with it because presumably this is not just happening in the united states um for instance if they are in china or they're in kenya or wherever they are are they gonna show the people who actually live there or there's gonna be a bunch of white people Oh, I think they learned their lesson about, you know, not having enough black people on The Walking Dead and, you know, people of color in general already. So I think now if they went to another country, they would probably, you know, and like we say, it's that Black Panther effect, the Wakanda effect. Like they're not going to be stupid about this now. You know, they're not going to make that foolish mistake. Not in this day and age. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, I still haven't peeped, you know, the very latest episode of Walking Dead. So, spoiler alert for everyone who has. I mean, I'm sure everyone knows already by now, but Coral. Yeah. Um, Coral. My buddy Coral. Okay. Let's talk about how it took him forever to die. I have Jesus. (laughs) Like, I have put out a, a, a gift like... Come on, like like with the Judge Judy tapping her wrist, like it's you know it's time to go. <laughs> Quite literally, 
quite literally the entire episode was him dying. I felt like I was watching an episode of DBZ where it's like they take four episodes to charge up. It was just like, my God, let's go. We got stuff to do. Now, I'm sure people going to get mad at me. I don't care. I understand that, that Carl is this huge character, both in the comics and in the show. And he's been around and he's one of the original, original, you know, the original peach holder. I get it. I get it, but I don't care. It's taking too long. Like, we know he's about to go, and we know how significant he is. I get it. But the entire episode, B, the entire episode, quite literally the entire episode, it took him to die. And then it wasn't like, it wasn't like you saw a glimpse of him, and then, you know, you didn't see him for a while. Like, it's like every... The episode went through everybody else's trials and tribulations, but it was like every, I don't know six minutes it would go back to carl dying right the, the scene of carl with his father and with michonne with Vic and michonne and it was just like every six minutes you would go back to that scene of them talking to him talking about his life and where it happened where he'd been and that's great and all but i'm let's go we gotta go mm. so what did okay as a non-comic reader like you've never really read the comic like that Not even, never, really you... i've never read the comic period okay so like to me, I felt like Carl on the show, like when he got bit, I was like, oh, whatever, really, you know, because on the show, he never reached the potential that he reached in the comic to me. I never cared about him like that. So someone who just watched the show, did you care about Carl? Not really. Nah, like, <laughs> first of all, I thought he effed up so many times. And he always, he's always, he's always to me had this self-righteous air about him. Like, Dad, I'm doing this for our country. I'm doing this for my people. It was Sit your ass down. Put your big ass cowboy hat. No, and, and like I said, people gonna get mad at me for talking like this, but I, I genuinely didn't really see it for him like that, even when he was a kid. Like, cause I was always like, man, this wouldn't happen if it wasn't for Carl. Like, so, <laughs> I, I honestly felt that way so many times. So then, you know, I, 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 I felt why the characters felt so bad about it, and that, that that's cool. But I was like, all right, well, you got bit, and the same thing happens to everybody that gets bit. You go in the ground. So let, mm-hmm. let's make it happen. Yeah, and he, that's what I mean. As a character on the show, I was, you know, I did not care about Carl like that. Like, I cared more about him because I knew his potential. You know, Jeffrey Dean Morgan even was trying to upset because he wanted to play out, you know, Negan and Carl have this ill relationship, you know, in the comments that goes on for a long time. And, and they hinted at that in yep. the in this Carl death episode, which I was like, oh, really? And then I think it was you who said, oh, yeah, this, there's a lot more to it. So oh, so much more to it. And it, it's really interesting. And Carl's really interesting in the comic. Like, where he is at right now in the comic is so different than, you know, well, obviously he'll never get there. But, you know, it's it's hilarious to me to hear, you know, the not really response because, damn, Carl. Nah, like, I just, I just don't care. Like, I don't. He's not my fave. I was nah. like, all right, Carl, time to go, buddy. How do you feel about uh, the Reverend? Has, has he turned around for you? Father Gabriel? Yeah. Uh, he's like there. He's just he's just there for a minute. Now, he was kind of, <clears throat> he was smooth when he got locked up in that trailer with Negan. Yep. Like, I thought that was fly. I thought that was dope, but uh, that's about it. Okay, because I know you were definitely a Gabriel hater before. Most people hate Gabriel. Oh, yeah, I was a Gabriel hater. I was a Gabriel hater hardcore. Like, yeah, hardcore so. body, I was a, a Gabriel hater. Just <laughs> problem with people who do dumbass things when it's just like fam like there's like you can't see the forest for the trees like there's so much more going on and you're just doing the most dumbass shit and you're not understanding like I so I I just have very little tolerance for that I understand it's a TV show and then people got to make dumbass 
uh, decisions to keep the show going. But my God. Mm. Yeah, because it's so funny to me, like, you know, hearing someone who's never read the comic, you know, versus me who's read the comic and is still reading the comic. And these characters are so wildly different in some cases. Like, I know a lot of people are hating Eugene right now. I kind of hate Eugene, but I love the actor playing him. And I think they've done a great job with Eugene as a character on the show. So I'm not mad at the decisions he's made on the show. I just, you know, hate his character for making those decisions. And, uh, yeah, speaking of The Walking Dead, shout out to D. Chico Leo, you know, our good friend who hasn't been around lately to give you his pick of the week. But we'll be bringing him back real soon. I know he's probably just as distrusted with Walking Dead right now as you are. (laughs) But, you know, speaking of grim and dark and pick of the week, you know, I'm an Overwatch fanatic. Everybody out there knows that's pretty much like the only game I've been playing over the last year. I can't wait for Brigitte to get up on there so I can whoop more ass with her. But I did take a quick break from Overwatch this week and play this game Limbo, mm. which is like it's an older game. I think it came out a couple of years ago. It's a side scrolling adventure where you start off as this little boy. It's black and white. It's really dope art direction, but really grim and kind of just like bleak. But it's like an old school side scrolling game, but it gives you no information. You start off, you wake up in this forest and you start running to the side and you encounter other little boys. Everything's black and white. I've encountered a big giant spider. There's a lot of traps and tricks to get Mm -hmm. through, but it's a really weird, ill game that I played it for about an hour or so yesterday. And I'm not sure if I'm going to go back to it. You know, because it was like one of them games that just kind of... Why is it too creepy? Yeah, it just kind of left me with a weird feeling, you know? It's like, uh, do I really want to play this? But I've heard so many people talk about Limbo for years and how it's yeah. so great. Well, it's very unnerving. The art direction and the the use of shadows and, and the the score of it all, like, it's very <laughs> unnerving. And, and, and you may have said this slightly, but you die in very unnerving ways as well. horrible ways over <laughs> and over again and you're a little boy so yeah. the character is a little boy so it's 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 a bit much and there's like other little boys who you see like running in the background or like sometimes they try and attack you and kill you and then they run off like at one point these little boys were trying to kill me and then they ran off before i could get to them and then the giant spider killed them so it felt like really weird you know it feels like a like <laughs> Lord of the Flies type of thing where these little boys are trying to kill each other and then there's yeah. like nature is trying to kill you and it's all dark and black and but I really want to you know I want to keep playing because it's one of those games I kind of just wanted to go to Wikipedia and be like fuck it what is this all about right what happens right like yeah. it, it's, it's, it, it can be very depressing yep. at the same time it's a beautiful game in terms of design in terms of, of characterization and all that other stuff so yep. you know if you're into that I would definitely absolutely say to try it out i played it i thought it was a good game uh mm-hmm. but it, it is pretty dark yeah i got it on uh, Xbox live on Xbox live gold you know you can get your free games every month it was one of those games that came out last month and i copped it i also downloaded they have a uh, this joint trials uh mixed with blood dragon where it's like basically a bike racing game in like this uh apocalyptic world it was ass yo i played it for like 10 minutes <laughs> Like straight up and down ass, like oh my god, that, we, you know. We gotta have a conversation, uh, an episode about trash Xbox Live games. Yo, or trash, I, trash PSN games. 
Yo, I, I, I feel so bad for game developers sometimes because, and I see why they stop putting out demos because there's so many times I'll download a demo, I'll play it for like 10 minutes and be like, this is so trash. I'd never play it. And they spent uh, six months on Years sometimes, like years of your life. And I give it 10 minutes. Like like that Trials game, I know it's just a mashup. You know, Trials is an old bike racing game and this Blood Dragon has been mashed up in the other games. It's like this post-apocalyptic 80s world game. And it's like, I played Trials, this Blood Dragon game for like 10 minutes. and was like, this is so trash. Like, it was just so, the controls, everything was just so annoying. Everything, ugh, like. <laughs> but, oh, man. Yeah, but then sometimes you get a joint like, like Limbo, you know, which I downloaded for free. And I'm not sure if I want to play again. But at the same time, I'm like, yo, this game is fucking ill as fuck. You know, it, whether or not I play it again, it's definitely a dope ass game. But that also brings me to one last question for our audience listeners out there. You know, I just want to know what games you're playing. I'm actually about to finally get my hands on a PlayStation. So I'm going to catch up on a lot of games that I haven't played for PlayStation. So if you have any recommendations out there, please hit me up at DJ Ben I mean. You know, we've been talking about our Twitch channel, you know, Twitch Fan Bro Show for a long time. But, you know, it's coming back. We got some big things coming. Stay tuned. Thank you for everyone who's been supporting us, who's been there since the very beginning. You know, before we were mentioned in the New York Times, you know, before we had Crown Wakanda popping off, before all these things. Just thank you to everyone who's been there. And thank you to all the new listeners, everybody who just joined us. We'll be back next week with more of the show. Thanks.